When people talk about net zero and the ambition to stop causing climate change, almost all the focus goes on how to stop more emissions. And in particular, you know, how to get out of coal, how to deal with the emissions that come out of cars and vehicles, uh, how to uh, address shipping, aviation, etc. And of course, they're right that we're not going to get to net zero unless we get our emissions down. But this is really just half the climate change problem. You know, nature has been sequestrating carbon from the atmosphere for the last millions and millions and millions of years. And climate change is the result of upsetting the balance of nature and increasing the amount of carbon in the atmosphere compared with its normal background rate. So that balancing act between uh, carbon going into the atmosphere and nature taking carbon out is what has been fundamentally upset. And so when we think about um, climate change and net zero, it's not just the emissions we need to deal with uh, from our great industrial economies. It's also how to make sure that nature can play its full part, get that balance back, put the sequestration in place. The land, in the broader sense, nature, should be a natural carbon sink and it should be able to carry out those functions uh, as best it can. And that's about trees, it's about grasslands, it's about vegetation, it's about coastal marine environments, and of course the sea and the oceans. And what we need to do is see how we can make that sequestration better, incentivize that sequestration, and it turns out that in doing that, we're going to get all sorts of other benefits as well. It's going to help enormously to deal with the biodiversity loss that's the other great environmental challenge of our time. And, you know, nature yields all sorts of other benefits if we treat it right. Uh, water, cleaning, the provision of recreation, uh, leisure, dealing with our mental and physical health, and, um, of course, dealing with air pollution other than uh, carbon. So nature's got the tools to do this. What we've got to do is basically two things. One is we've got to stop buggering it up, to use a technical term. We've got to work hard at seeing how we can uh, stop uh, interfering with nature's processes of carbon sequestration. And then we've got to think about how once we stop doing bad things, we can start doing good things and uh, think about sensible ways of making uh, carbon sequestration pay, to make carbon farming part of the natural way in which we approach uh, our bountiful environment. So first step, stop making things worse. You know, this is both kind of macro and global, but it's also local and right next door to us. So at the global level, you know, we're burning down our rainforests. The great global carbon sinks uh, of the Amazon, the Congo, the Mekong, uh, these are all in serious 
uh, difficulty and, and also uh, the important rainforests of Southeast Asia. We are each year, and you can see it in the graphic pictures, just burning them down. And that is a disaster in its own making. It creates emissions, but it also makes sure that we can't have those resources to tap that carbon in the future and in perpetuity. So those are the big stories. And uh, uh, to those, we can add uh, the practices of much intensive modern agriculture. You know, soil has about four times the carbon of the atmosphere. It is the really important carbon sink along with the oceans. And what have we been doing? Well, by intensive farming, we've not only been applying carbon intensive chemicals and fertilizers to the land, but we've been in the process of stripping out that carbon. Uh, it may not be, as a Farmers Weekly uh, headline had it a few years ago, that uh, the soils here in England only have 10 years left in them. But uh, my goodness, we've done a fantastic amount of damage. So we need to stop doing that. And we're doing it because farmers are subsidised to it. We actually pay farmers to carry this out through the ways in which our agricultural subsidies work. Not as a deliberate act, but just as the consequence of the way in which the incentives have been structured. You know, we, we, we burn grouse moors. Now, there are lots of reasons why uh, the management of grouse moors is important, but setting fire to peat-sensitive landscapes, that's hardly a great way of addressing climate change. And, uh, of course, we've done a lot of damage to our marine habitats, which turn out, particularly in the coastal fringes, we have a great deal of control over to be very important parts of this game. So the first thing to do is just stop making things worse and stop all these perverse subsidies uh, if we're serious about net zero and the kinds of ambitions which you know I deal with in my net zero book. But we can do better than that. We can go on and do positive things. We need to start rewarding the sequestration of carbon by nature uh, rather than incentivizing people to get rid of it. And that means paying for the carbon sequestration, the carbon offsets. It means establishing modern markets in those carbon uh, offsets. And it means, therefore, creating a whole new revenue stream to uh, those who manage our land, and that's mainly uh, farmers. And we can do that. We know how to run carbon markets and we now know how to do baseline assessments. We know how to do accreditation and we know how to create market platforms. That's a huge opportunity out there ahead. And then we've got the agricultural subsidies themselves. If we're going to spend three billion on our farmers uh, for the production of what is, what, 0.6% of GDP, then we at least ought to spend that money in ways that are going to be uh, helping public goods, public money for public goods, rather than damaging them. And protecting those great stores of carbon, and have in mind especially peat, but uh, there are lots of other stores out there from further uh, damage, uh, is one of the things that the new agricultural subsidies scheme should be doing here. And they should be doing them in Europe and they should be doing them in the US and they should be doing them globally. This is a huge amount of money. And um, uh, just by spending it more wisely, it's not about more cost. It's about getting more for 
uh, the same amount of bucks that are being spent. So we can do that too. And then, you know, the other side of that is by rewarding people for sequestrating carbon using nature-based solutions, we can do the corollary too, which is to penalise them when they cause emissions. And let's not forget that it's a tragedy that agriculture uh, globally is a quarter of the emissions, roughly, um, of carbon. And even here in uh, the UK, its measured uh, contribution is 11%, and that doesn't really measure properly the peats and the soils as well. Let's say it's 15%. Well, 0.6% of GDP for 15% of emissions. We've got to tackle that and put it another way around. It's blatantly obvious. If you don't deal with the land, with agriculture, and if you don't enhance the ability for nature to sequestrate carbon, then net zero is for the birds. You know, it's just not going to happen and we shouldn't kid ourselves. So let's get serious. Let's work with nature instead of against nature. And that's one of the key components to get to net zero, to stop causing further climate change and to bequeath to the next generation a better environment than the one we're on course to go down at the moment. Thank you.